Well, uh, a warm welcome to the uh, service of worship this uh, Lord's uh, Day. A slight change, I think, from the plans from last week. I'll be taking the service today, and uh, your own minister will be down in um, South Harris, but he'll be back again for um, the evening service. Well, we'll bow our heads, and we'll uh, come before God in prayer. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we give thanks that we come before a God who is full of mercy, Uh, A God who cleanses and who washes. And we give thanks for that because we know that when we come before you in this time of worship, we we come as as sinful people. Um, Every one of us has sinned in thought and word and deed. Uh, We have sinned every day of our lives. And we give thanks that your spirit has opened our eyes to that. That you have shown us our sin that you have shown us our iniquity, but we give thanks more so that you also open our eyes to the truth of the gospel, that you point us to Christ, that in Christ there is one who has died on that cross at Calvary in order that our sins might be atoned for, in order that our sins might be cleansed, in order that we might have forgiveness. And as we think about that um, theme this day itself, enable us to, to rejoice in our hearts, knowing that we we receive that forgiveness, not because of anything that is in ourselves, not because of anything that we can do, uh, not because of anything that that originates in any way in ourselves, but a forgiveness that is ours because of what Christ has done. And help us to see that. Um, Let that be the assurance, the, the, the foundation that we rest in, that our forgiveness is ours in Christ. We know that very often, the devil will try and, and, and come and accuse us and the devil will try and steal away this assurance that we have. He'll tell us that we're not forgiven. He'll tell us that we're not saved. And he'll tell us that we are not firm and secure in the hands of the Lord. But we pray that we would be able to flee from the evil one, to turn aside from him when he comes at us with these accusations, when he comes casting these doubts our way. Help us instead to turn to your word and to see the the, the great promises that we have in your word, the promises that remind us that that when we are are brought to saving faith, um, the evil one can never take us out of the palm of your hand again, uh, that there we are safe and secure for all eternity. And we pray that you would help us to grow in our faith as well. And we realize that as we grow in our faith, that also means that we grow in an understanding of sin. We grow in an understanding of the different ways in which we transgress your laws. Uh, but that is a natural process. As we learn more about sin, and, and as we do, we, will, we also learn more about the grace of God. We learn more about your mercy and your love, because the, the greater a view we have of the darkness and blackness of our hearts, the more wonderful that, that picture of Calvary becomes, and the more beauty we see in the cross itself as we see our Lord and Saviour. And bearing our sins, taking our sins and atoning for our sins there through his suffering and and death. And we pray now that you would help us to to live the Christian life. For those of us who have been brought to saving faith, help us to to, to walk the paths of righteousness. Um, Even when we do face different temptations and even when we do face different attacks of the evil one, different darts, fiery darts that he that he sends in our direction. Help us to um, take up the, the whole armor of God. 
help us to, to um, lay hold of the, the, the helmet of salvation, that breastplate of righteousness. Help us to be adorned with those shoes of the, the, the gospel. Help us to, to take up our, our shield of faith, our sword as well, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God itself. You give us an armor to, to be equipped with. But it is our duty every morning as we wake up to prepare and to, to lay hold of our shield, to lay hold of that sword, to become familiar with these tools that you give us in order that we might soldier on. And help us to remember that we do so together. And the picture in scripture of, of the church and the army of the Lord is, is just that, a collective, not individual soldiers of the Lord, but a collective army as we seek to, to support uh, one another as we, we go on in this wilderness march. And to that end, we pray that you would help us to share with one another, um, to, to care for one another, um, to love one another, to, to pray for one another. Um, we read of so many um, verses in scriptures that, that, that speak about how we ought to be with one another. And, and we pray that we would take heed of these things and apply them to, to our lives. We can so easily become selfish and, and just think about ourselves, and especially in the culture and the world that we live in just now as well, where the self is so often proclaimed. Help us not to fall into that kind of mindset, but to be shaped rather by your word, to be shaped by scripture in, in all that we do. And we pray for the congregation here. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would um, strengthen and uphold them all. You know everyone. You know um, everyone and all that they're going through, all the, the, the difficulties and the struggles um, and even the blessings that they might be experiencing just now as well. And, and as we commit one another uh, to you in prayer, we pray that your word would be a means of, of, of grace and strength to us, even this um, day itself. And we pray for, for those who are maybe struggling in particular, those who maybe continue to mourn as well. May your hand be upon them for good. May you continue to watch over and support. May you continue to be near to those who are brokenhearted. And, and we think about that in our own community uh, just now, as God willing, in the, the coming days, we, we will be partaking in that funeral service of the, the, the young girl that passed away a couple of weeks ago. We pray, O Lord, for her family. We pray, O Lord, that you would um, strengthen them as the time of the funeral draws near now. We pray, O Lord, that um, your word would be a comfort to them uh, and that um, your presence would be something that they would know in a time of tremendous um, grief and um, tremendous sorrow as well. Um, support and uphold, uh, we pray, and help us all to cling to your promises. Watch over our nation as well just now, and even our whole continent and world as we think about what's going on in the world just now and how precarious uh, things look. And, and it seems every time we, we, we look at the news, there seems to be um, developments that are, that are worrying, to say the least. And our prayer is that, Lord, that you would bring peace, that you would about a de-escalation of, of, of the events that are currently ongoing in our world uh, and that you would intervene uh, and that uh, lives would not be lost and that war would not commence, that we would know that peace and ultimately that we would know not just peace in our lands and in our nations but that we would know that peace that comes from above, that peace that comes from you and you alone. So continue with us now, do us good, cleanse us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Okay, so we'll bow our heads now and we'll say a wee word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we give thanks for the gospel message. We give thanks that 
that that message is made uh, clear to all, to the young and to those who are older as well. And you remind us in your word that we are on that broad road, but that you have, have placed a sign of the gospel there, leading us to the, the narrow road of life and salvation. And we pray that all the, the young ones here and every one of us would take heed of that sign, that we would listen to Jesus and that we would go the way of salvation by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So continue with us for the rest of this service today. Be with the kids as they go to their Sunday school classes now and learn more about you. And be with our teachers as well as they, as they seek to teach them. So continue with us now for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we're going to read uh, now in, in God's word um, Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians and um, chapter 2. So let's hear the, the word of God. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism. In which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on ascetism or, and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, 
as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to these things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Amen. And we pray for God's blessing on that portion of his word. And we're going to turn and we're going to look at verse 14 there in a few moments. Well, if you can turn back um, to Colossians and chapter 2 and verse uh, 14, well, verse 13, but we're going to be looking at verse 14, but I'll just read from verse 13. So Colossians 2 from verse 13. And you who were dead in trespass, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses, and then especially this verse, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So as I mentioned a few moments ago, we're going to be looking really at the, the theme of um, forgiveness. And um, forgiveness is a, an amazing Concept. It's an amazing theme that we come across in, in the Word of God. Um, forgiveness is something that's, of course, able to um, restore um, broken relationships that we have. Because um, we, we are sinners. We all know that. We all, we all feel that. Um, and as a result of the fact that, that we're sinners, that, that affects every kind of relationship we have in this life. With friends, with, with family, with, with, with others as well. Uh, our, our, our fallenness affects that. And what, what happens is um, we get all sorts of difficulties and trouble in our relationship. And um, that, that, can, that can happen in different ways. Um, perhaps you can be wronged by somebody else. Or perhaps you might be the guilty party yourself and, and you might be the person who has uh, perhaps uh, done some form of, of wrong. And when that happens, when wrong is done, um, a relationship or it's a friendship or whatever it is, that, that relationship, it's, it, it, it ends up being, being broken for a time. Um, and when, when that happens, when there's a breakdown like that, um, communication's affected, um, a display of, of love is, is, is affected as well. There's, there's, there's lots of different things that, that are affected. And th- that, that continues to be the case. And it will, will always be the case until um, forgiveness is, is um, offered in some way. Uh, and then forgiveness is actually um, uh, accepted. And once forgiveness is given and accepted, then the relationship, whatever kind of relationship it is, it can begin to be restored to something of perhaps what it uh, once was. But... In order for that relationship to be restored, um, the offer of forgiveness, it needs to be sincere. Um, And as well as that, the person receiving the forgiveness um, has to fully um, accept that forgiveness. And what happens is that that if there's doubt on on either side of that uh, equation, if there's doubt on either side, then then all that's going to do is going to cause difficulty. Uh, it's going to cause problems uh, at some point further down the line. And the same is true, actually, uh, for, for the Christian in our relationship with um, the Lord uh, himself. Uh, when we come to, to Christ, we are forgiven all of our sins. That's a tremendous feeling. And, and when, when you come to realize that, that you're forgiven all your sins, you're, you're filled with this sense of um, joy 
and the sense of gladness, um, that uh, broken relationship that you had with the Lord, that's, that's all of a sudden um, restored. And, and that's, a, that's a wonderful feeling, um, to, to have fellowship with God um, restored as, as, as it ought to be. A tremendous sense of joy, and a joy that I'm sure many of you here have, have experienced yourselves as well. But the problem is that very often, doubts creep in. We're particularly bad at this in our own culture, I think, our tradition. We allow doubts to come in. And as we carry on in our pilgrimage journey, we almost can get into a position where you convince yourself that you're not forgiven. You can convince yourself that you're not actually the Lord's. And there's different reasons why we can feel like that as the Lord's people, as Christians. I think one of the reasons is that um, when, when we come to faith, um, when we put our faith in Christ, you know, that moment, I don't know whether you can pinpoint it to a precise time or not, but that moment, you have this sense of, of, of the weight of guilt and the weight of sin just being removed from you. And that's a tremendous sense of, 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 of um, liberty and freedom when, when you have all that weight of guilt taken off you. But the issue is that as, as we continue in the Christian life, um, we, 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 we learn more. I mentioned this in prayer, actually. Um, we, we, we learn more about indwelling sin. And we, we learn more just, just about sin itself in general. And, and the more we go on, the more sin we actually see in our lives. And maybe you actually end up maybe falling into sins that we, we, we never ever anticipated falling into and when that happens you can you can start to see these doubts coming in and you're wondering to yourself well am I really saved and you know have I have I really uh, been uh, uh, forgiven so that's one way in which these doubts can come in another way that these doubts can come in is um, when people um, maybe they they misinterpret um, trials and misinterpret um, chastisements that that come into their lives because as the Lord's people that that happens you you experience trials and you experience um, hardships and and, and, and um, you experience all all kinds of difficulties and, and sometimes maybe especially for less mature in the faith sometimes people can think to themselves well this must be God punishing me in some way um, why is God allowing these hardships to come into my life this must be a sign that I'm not forgiven this must be a sign that I'm not actually the Lord's and again, you can see how in that kind of mindset and thinking like that, that uh, doubts can, 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 can come in. But the thing is, the, the Bible is absolutely crystal clear on this. We who are the Lord's, we who have put our faith in Christ, we are absolutely, we are definitively, completely forgiven. Every sin, all the, the sins of our thoughts, all the, the, the sinful things that we say, all the uh, sinful things that we do, all of our sinful actions and words and thoughts, all forgiven. E- even when we find ourselves feeling like we're getting more sinful and even maybe when we're falling into the same sins. The, the truth of scripture is that when we come to faith in Christ, when we put our trust in him, we are absolutely cleansed, absolutely uh, forgiven. All our sins, all the sins of the past, all our sins of today, um, all our sins of, of tomorrow, all of that cleansed. Now, that, that doesn't take away from the fact that we still need to come with a spirit of repentance and we still must have a sorrow for sin and we must come seeking forgiveness. But when we do that, we do that knowing that we will receive it, that we will receive forgiveness because that is um, the, the, the promise of, of, of uh, the Lord. And that, that's the theme of this um, uh, great verse here in, in Colossians 2, uh, uh, verse 
um, 14. There's this picture of um, all our trespasses forgiven and we're told that they are, they are, they are forgiven by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And what I want to do um, just for a, a few moments uh, today is think about that verse in particular, verse 14 there. And in that verse there, you have two images. And um, both images um, have to do with a, a document, a piece of paper. And it's a piece of paper that's referred to in the, well, it's in different versions, it's got different names, but in the, in the ESV it's referred to there as the record of debt. So this image, two images, and, and both to do with this piece of paper called this record of debt. And, and one image is of this record of debt being wiped clean. That's one of the images. And the second image is of this piece of paper, this record of debt, being nailed to the cross. So that's the two things that you have in verse uh, 14 there. That's the two things I want to look at today. This, this document, this record of debt wiped clean and this record of debt nailed uh, to the cross. Because both these things um, teach us something about the, the forgiveness that uh, we have in, in, in Christ. So let's look at the, the first of these then. First of all, this, this record of debt wiped out. Now, I want us to, to go back to that document, this, this, this piece of paper that I've um, tried to get you to, to visualize almost in your, in your head. What is this document? What is this document? I, I mentioned there it's described in the ESV as this, this record of debt. But what is it? What is that? The Greeks are, uh, you know, there's just probably different versions in all your Bibles because um, the, 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 the Greek is, is fairly precise in, in what this, this document actually is. And the document is basically, so you imagine a piece of paper. And, and, and at the heading of that piece of paper, the, the, the top of the piece of paper, is a, a title of, of what's required of you. And, and that, some people actually refer to this document here as a, an IOU, um, from us to God. Document on, on the top, it says what we owe God. And what is it? What is it that we owe God? What, what do we require um, to, to, to give uh, to, to the Lord himself? Well, it's our duty to fulfill the law of God. That's what's at the top of that, top of that document. You, you are duty bound to fulfill the law of God. That's a requirement. That's not just a requirement on the Lord's people. That, that's a requirement that everyone has. Everyone who's born into this world. Everyone is given this document. Not literal, obviously. Spiritually. Given this document. And at the top of it, it says, um, I owe God obedience to his law. And, and, and the reason for that is because um, we are contracted. In fact, it's not even the moment we're born. The very moment we're conceived. We are contracted. Contracted to give obedience to the Lord. Now, you might respond to that and say, well, wait a second. I didn't sign up to that contract. Why, why, do, I, why do I have to give? Why does anybody have to give obedience to, 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 to God and, and his law? Well, the answer is that this is God's creation. Everything. Um, we, we are um, creations of the Lord. We, we are owned. We, we belong to the Lord himself. We're not independent entities who, who happen to have come into this world. I know that's how uh, a lot of people think of it, but, but that's not the way it is at all. We, we have a God who made us, and that means that we have a God who every single one of us is actually accountable to. So everyone has, has one of these records, and at the top, a requirement to live according to God's law. And then in the rest of that document um, is a list of every time we break God's law. Every time we transgress 
the law of God. So spiritually speaking, there's a whole list there of all of your sins. So at the top is what's meant, what, what you're meant to give, obedience. But the list is all your sins, all the different ways in which you've broken that. And all of that is used as evidence against us. It's used as evidence to, to show that, that, that actually uh, we are guilty and we have failed to obey the law of, of God. Now, you imagine that document. You, know, you imagine holding that document yourself um, with, with a list of all your sins. Every, every sinful thought, every um, sinful word, every sinful action, all of that written on, on this document. Imagine how long that would be. Imagine how long that, that list would be. And I, I guarantee you this, it'll be, it'll be longer than you even think it is. Because, see, the, the reality is we don't actually, a lot of our sins we don't even recognize. We don't even realize, actually, um, how, how great our sin is. And that is a document that you would not want anyone to see, would you? Imagine, imagine showing that to someone, showing that list, that's this long document. You wouldn't want anyone to see that. And uh, that, that reminds me of a, a scene from, a, I don't know if any of you have done the, I'm sure some of you have done the Christianity Explored course. Um, and, you know, you, you, you sit through a DVD section, so it'll be a 15-minute video and in one of the one of the scenes there um, the, the presenter takes you into a room it's an empty room and, and he he kind of tells you to visualize like the, the record of your life being posted up on the walls so little notes and pictures of all your thoughts and all your words and all your actions and it's all on display that's the idea everything is on display and some of that you'll be proud of some of that may be things that you'll be happy with but the reality is that much of what is on display there you wouldn't want anyone to see. Imagine if someone saw all your thoughts, all your words, all your, 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 your uh, actions, all your sins, basically, displayed on, on that um, wall. And, and spiritually speaking, we actually all have a room like that, spiritually. We, we all have a room like that in our, in our lives. But the thing is, we're not really aware of it. And we're not aware of it until God opens our eyes. And when God opens our eyes, it's like a, a light goes on. And then all of a sudden, we see our sins. And we see the record of our debt. We see the record of our, our, our sins. And, and you're, you're taken aback when you come to realize that. You're taken aback at the extent of your sinfulness. And you're, you're filled with a sense of deep guilt. And that's what we, we, we refer to um, as uh, conviction. I'm sure you've heard much about uh, conviction. Um, conviction of sin. That's very often, uh, not, not always actually, but very often conviction of sin is the, the, the kind of the first, first way in which you... Um, see that God's spirit is actually working in your life you start to 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 see your sin now the question is right when you're at that point and you 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 see your sinfulness what do you do what 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 do you do what's your options when when the Lord shows you your sin when he shows you this room as it were of all your sinful thoughts and words and deeds what are you going to do now one option would be to close the door on that room that's one option just close the door on it I'm sure you all have rooms in your houses where you just throw everything and just close the door and almost pretend like it's not there. Well, that's one option here. Just just close the door. Ignore this room. Ignore the record of debt. Ignore this, this record of sin. Just pretend it's, it's uh, not there. And hope that this feeling of, of conviction and guilt, just hope that it just goes away. Maybe over time, it'll, it'll go away. And that's, that's exactly what some people try and do. Maybe you've, maybe you've tried to do that yourselves in the past. Just try and sort of um, ignore it and just sort of bury it and hope it goes away. And actually, some people even, even go further than that. They, some people will actually try and counter this feeling of conviction by actually going deeper into sin. I know that sounds 
contradictory to think like that, but this does happen. That, that, that people think to themselves, right, to get rid of this conviction, I'm just going to go deeper into sin. And maybe if I go deeper into sin, that'll sort of drown out this feeling of conviction and this, these bad feelings of conviction will just, will just disappear. That's a, that's a very real thing and maybe that's something that you've experienced yourselves as well. But the problem is, with taking that approach, you, you, you can't do that. You can't close the door and ignore it. You can't just ignore it. And the reason we can't ignore it is because the word of God tells us very clearly that our heavenly judge... He is coming and he's going to open that door and he's going to inspect, he's going to judge, he's going to see that. So we, we, can't, we can't just ignore these things. Um, some of you will be uh, aware of the, maybe the free church youth camps. Maybe some of you have been there or maybe, maybe you've got children or grandchildren and have been to the, the free church youth camps. Um, a, a big part of the, the camp experience is the, the dreaded um, uh, dorm inspections. Uh, and you know, as, as young campers, young campers are probably up late at night, um, up to probably all sorts of mischief as well, playing games and things like that. And the next morning, usually the place is an absolute bomb site, um, uh, most of the time, anyway. Uh, and and the, the young ones, they were probably quite happy just to kind of close the door on that and just ignore it and pretend it's not there, and just ignore the mess, ignore the riot that's inside. But they know it's a dorm inspection coming. They know the leaders are, are coming to, to inspect their, their room. So they can't ignore it. Um, they can't leave it. They have to do something about it. And spiritually speaking, with this, this room which contains our, our record of sin, our, our uh, record of debt, we can't close the door and ignore it. Because we know someone's coming. We know someone's coming to check it. We might forget about it, and that's fine. The Lord won't. And he is coming, and he is coming to inspect it. So you can't ignore it. What else can you do? Well, another option is painting over it. So if we can't ignore it, what about painting over it? So covering up the record of our sin and the record of our uh, transgressions. And again, that's something that a lot of people try and do. They try and cover up their record of sin and, and, and debt. Uh, and some people will try and do that with their good works. If I do maybe some charity work and um, if I'm a good neighbor and uh, if I do maybe some volunteer work or something like that, um, maybe if I do these things, that'll sort of cover my, my sense of conviction and cover my, 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 my uh, record of sin and, and record of debt, and, and you know, then, then, then I'll, I'll be okay. But, of course, uh, that's not how it works either. Yes, it's good to be a good neighbor and do charity work and all these things, but that's not going to cover sin. That's not going to cover sin. God's going to see right through that. And similarly as well, you can't cover your sin with religious deeds either. And I think this is particularly bad in our culture. Where people have this kind of mindset that uh, attending church is, is sort of a way of sort of covering a record of sin, and we'll be okay as long as we attend church, um, or, or or if we read our Bibles a couple of times a day, or say a prayer, that we'll be okay. Or even if we're a, a member in the church, if I'm a member in the church, I'll be okay. If I sit at the Lord's table, if I take the bread and the wine, then 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 I'll be okay. But again, that that's that's not the case at all. Mere religious practice. Again, that's good things. I'm not saying these things are bad, but mere religious practice, that is not enough to, to, to deal with the issue of our sin, to deal with this issue of the record of our debt and the record of our sin, because you can't fool God. You can't fool God with these things by covering it up with activity. God sees right through that. He sees right through our works, and he sees right into that record, and he sees every single one of our sins. So what can we do then? So we can't ignore it, establish that. Um, we can't paint over it or cover it up with anything that we can actually do ourselves. So what can we do? And that's when the gospel comes in. 
And the gospel tells us uh, that we can't do anything. Maybe not what we expected to hear. That's what the gospel says. It says you can't actually do anything about it. But Christ can. Christ can. Because when we put our faith in Christ, what Christ does is he comes and he takes the record of our dead, the record of our sin, and he washes it. He, he cleanses it. He deletes it. He erases it. And that's the image that you have there in, in verse 14. Jesus cancelled the record of debt that stood against us. It's as though he, he comes and he takes that long list and he, he just deletes the whole thing. You imagine all your sins written there. And he comes and he erases and he deletes the whole thing. He blots it all out so that none of those things are held against us anymore. And we, we read there that, that he, he set it aside. He has taken it out of the way. And, and the wording there in the Greek is really strong. It's not just like, oh, he moved it to the side a wee bit. He's completely obliterated it. He, he has utterly destroyed it. That, that record of our debt, that record of our sin, is utterly destroyed, utterly deleted, to the extent that, that nobody could come. No one can come and piece that back together again. No one come and can take the wee bits and build it up again to see your sin. That, that's, that's impossible. It is utterly destroyed, utterly uh, obliterated. And that means that the devil, he, he can't come and um, gather these uh, fragments and, and, and uh, accuse us. He'll try and do that, but, but he can't. He can't gather up these fragments and, and bring our sins before us again. They're destroyed. That, that, that document is, is completely and utterly destroyed. And if your faith is in Christ today, if your trust is in the Lord, then you don't need to worry about your sins being brought before you ever again. Because these sins will never be brought before you and held against us in that way again. And, and to go back to that um, Christianity explored image that I, that I used of that room, remember that room full of notes and full of pictures of um, things that we've done, sins that we've committed. When we put our faith in Christ, it's like he goes into that, that, that room and he just, he just crumples it all. He takes it all off the walls. He crumples it up and, and he just discards it. He gets rid of it. He completely destroys it. And that leads us to the, the second image. It won't, be as long, it won't be as long on this point. The second image there is, is the record of debt nailed to the cross. So again, verse 14. So having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You see, it's true that the record of our debt is, is wiped away. That's a theological truth. But the thing is as well, sin can't actually just be deleted. Um, sin can't just be wiped away. Um, debt uh, cannot just be erased. And, and the reason for that is that God is, is, is a just God. And because he's a just God, that means that where sin is committed, there has to be a penalty. There's no choice. There's no choice. If God just um, forgave sin and ignored sin without any consequences, he would be unjust. He would be unjust. And he can't, he can't be unjust. Because that, that would mean he would cease to be who he is. He is a just God. So the, the implication of all that is that when sin has been committed, there needs to be a penalty. There has to be some kind of uh, penalty uh, paid. And that's where this image comes into to play here. Because this record of death, this piece of paper, uh, it is deleted. 
It is destroyed, yes, but it's deleted and destroyed by Jesus taking it and Jesus actually nailing it and nailing it to his own cross. You know, th- think about the name of the, the document, Record of Debt. You know, when you think of debt, straight away you think that's something that needs to be paid. Debt needs to be paid and that's what sin is. Um, sin leaves us indebted to God. We, we, we owe God. We owe God a penalty charge. We are in debt, all of us in debt to him because of our sin. And that's what Jesus does on the cross. He takes our debt. He, he takes our sin and, and, and he takes that and he pays the price for it. He, he actually pays the punishment for our sin by suffering there on the cross. So you've got a, basically a transaction taking place there. Our sins, the record of our debt, he takes that to himself. He nails that to the cross and he pays the price uh, for it. And, and what's, what's going on there is, it's almost like Jesus goes and he gathers all your sins. Gathering all the sins of your thoughts and all the sins of your, your words and your actions. And, and he's taking them and he gathers them to himself and, and he, he nails them. There. He takes them and, 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 and bears the very punishment for, for all of us. He pays the price himself in our place and that means that if you're the lord's today you can look at the cross and and you you see christ nailed there but you see more than that you see our sin our sin nailed there that's part of the wonder of what happened at that hill of calvary two thousand years ago christ became sin he doesn't become a sinner but he became sin he bears sin our sin and as he is nailed to that cross it's like our sin our sin is, is nailed there to that cross as he endures that suffering as he pays that uh, price and after all that, that's why he came into the world so for example Isaiah um, tells us that the Messiah would bear the sins of many using, using that very language and, and Paul in his letter to the Romans he says something similar in chapter 8 he says what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So in the flesh of Christ, our sin is actually condemned. And he says again in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, well-known words there, for he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So he becomes sin. Remember, he doesn't become a sinner, but he becomes sin and he, as he's nailed there to the cross, it's, it's as though our sin is actually nailed there. And, and when you see the, the, the flame of, of God's divine justice coming down on Jesus there on the cross, because that's what happens on the cross, the flame of God's divine justice comes down on Jesus. When you see that, it's not just coming down on Jesus. It's coming down on, on, on your sin and mine. If our faith is in Christ today, it's coming down on our sin. And that means that this this record, this piece of paper, if you like, that's nailed to the cross for the record of all our sins, it's burned up. It's burned up. It's burned up because it's there with Jesus and the flame of God's wrath comes down and it's consumed. The debt is paid and, and, and the, the record itself is destroyed. Now, that's, that's an amazing thought. You know, when you think about your sin, it's just gone just like that. Thinking of Jesus paying the price for the sin of all his people. And, you know, if you think about maths here, it's a wee bit confusing. 
Because you think to yourself, well, wait a second, how, how can one person pay, pay the price for, for the sins of millions of people? How, how does that work out? How can, how can one person take the record of debt, the record of sin from loads and loads of people, all of the Lord's people, how can he take all that to himself and, and, and nail it to his cross? How, how does that even work? Well, the answer to that is fairly straightforward. The answer is that this was no ordinary man. This was no ordinary man at all. This was no mere man. We read in verse 9 there that in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This was not an ordinary man. An ordinary man couldn't have done that for us. An ordinary man couldn't have nailed all the record of debt of everyone onto the cross. No. But this is not an ordinary man. This is the God-man. Divinity and humanity together there in one person. And that is why, and that is only why he was able to do that. That's why we could have had no other saviour. No other angel could have done this. No new Adam could have done this. No new sinless man could have done this. Only the Lord Jesus Christ himself could actually do that. So if your faith is in Christ here today, look at that picture there, that, that illustration. And note how, how complete and how, how um, definitive your, your, your forgiveness actually is. And, and when the devil does come to you, as he will, and you'll probably experience this already, but when the devil does come to you, and when the devil does try and put doubts in your mind and accuse you of all sorts, you say, no, my, my, my record of debt, my record of sin has been taken by Jesus, and it has been wiped clean. He has taken it, he has nailed it to the cross himself, and by doing so, he has paid the price. The flame of the wrath of God has come and burned it up. And now it can never, ever be pieced together again. And even when you fall into sin, and that'll happen time and time again. Even, even when you find yourself falling into sin time and time again. Remember this. Remember, the Lord's forgiveness doesn't run out. All our iniquity, all our sin is washed away. Now, yes, Qualify that a wee bit by saying, remember, we still must come in repentance. We still must have that sorrow for sin, seeking forgiveness. But we do so knowing that we will be forgiven. It's a promise. A promise from the Lord uh, himself. And if you're here today outside of Christ, then, then that record of debt, that, that, that record of sin, that still looms over you. Uh, and that's a debt that, that, that one day will be called in. It'll be called, and, and it's a debt you can't ignore. Um, it's a debt you can't paint over. Um, it's a debt you, you can't um, cover up in, in, in any way. And if Christ hasn't paid that debt for you, then, then the reality is that you must pay it yourself. And then you, you, you might respond to that and say, well, what's the price? What's the price? What is the price of this debt? And the price, solemnly, is, is nothing less than... The eternal flame of the wrath of God. What came down on Christ? That's the price. That's, that's a solemn price. But Jesus comes to us in the gospel and he says, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Jesus says, give me your record of debt. Give me your record of sin. Give it to me. I will pay it. I will pay it and I will delete it and I will wipe it clean. And if we want to take that offer, we simply get on our knees and we put our faith in Christ. We, we ask for that forgiveness. We ask for that salvation. We come in repentance. We come seeking his face. And, and knowing that if we do so, 
we will receive that forgiveness. That, that is a promise. That is a guarantee. And when we do so, we will know ourselves the joy of forgiveness that the psalmist spoke of that we sang a few moments ago. My prayer is that all of us would know that for ourselves and that we would share that message of forgiveness with others as well. There's so many people in the world today crying out for that, crying out for that sense of relief, crying out for that sense of, of forgiveness, of belonging, of purpose. It's there in the gospel. Let's make sure that we go out and we spread that message to those who are around us here in, in Harris and wherever it is that we are. Amen. Uh, and we'll uh, bow our heads now and, and come before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we give thanks for all that our Lord has done for us in salvation. And we thought there about the, the work of our Saviour on the cross and the way in which the record of our debt and the record of our sin is wiped away when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give thanks that when we look to the cross and when we see all that happens there on the cross, that we don't just see Jesus there, but that we see our sin there too. Our sin, as it were, being burned up. The record of our sin with everything that's on it. And, and we only know a part of what's on it. Like we were thinking about earlier, that list is longer than and we can even begin to imagine things that we would never want anyone to see or hear or read. And all of that is washed away on that cross at Calvary. So help us all uh, to come before you, to seek that forgiveness, to seek that salvation. And as we said as well, help us to go out with that message to others and to share this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So cleanse us now, we ask, for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit continue with you all now and